The Last Word with Matt Cooper. So how many more trains and train services do we need in the country? We're going to talk about this because it's been reported today that the government is about to receive the conclusions of the Island Strategic Rail Review, a 32-county effort looking at additions to our train infrastructure in the country. And it is being suggested that amongst the things recommended in this document are a new Atlantic so-called railway spine running from Ballina in County Mayo down to Rosslare in County Wexford, a train line to Donegal, multiple freight connections to ports and higher speed travel between the major cities. We have two guests with us. In a moment, we'll talk to Mark Leeson from Rail Users Ireland. But first, Brian Caulfield, as Professor in Transportation at Trinity College Dublin, what do you make of this latest review into our train needs? Um, I think it's very welcomed. And I I note that you used the word latest. Um, We've had a number of these documents. Um, The first thing I'd like to see in this document is a review of what has happened since the last strategic rail review. We, we spend an awful lot of money on consultants to produce these reports. But taking that aside, you know, any new services that are provided will, will be great. And from, from what I'm hearing, a large swathe of this document is going to be based around freight and how we reduce our freight emissions. And why would that be important? Um, it, it's really important because across the, the island, there are about 42,000 heavy goods vehicles and freight makes up about 20% of all of our emissions in transport. And if we can use um, the rail network in a better way for freight, it would make that much more efficient. At the moment, it's about 99% of all of our freight in the country um, goes by, the, by our roads. So if we can push some of that onto rail, electrify that rail, then we'll bring down our emissions. How difficult is that to do, though, given that an awful lot of uh, goods and materials are transported on articulated trucks, uh, which can then go roll on, roll off quite easily onto uh, ships and the rest of it. How much more difficult does it become if you actually have to put stuff onto a train, take it off a train again, reload it somewhere else? It's it's not that yeah, logistically. Yes, there there are more um, complications in it, but it's not as as difficult as one might think. And there are examples of this from around the world where they're able to use these containers. And, and take them on and off ferries. Um, and that's, I suppose, the, the main idea of this line that's going to go from Ballina down to Rosslare is, is to pick up all this freight as the line goes down towards Wexford. So that from other points in the country, it could join this particular line and complete the journey on to Rosslare? Precisely. Um, and again, this is all about trying to reduce this 20% of emissions. And we saw um, late last week that our emissions and transport are up 6%. So every part of the the transport system needs to decarbonise. And this would seem like, you know, a, a kind of a no-brainer one that we can do something. Not all freight will be able to go by rail, um, but if we can move the, the bigger, bulkier things onto rail, um, we will get savings. And even leaving aside the environmental issues, I mean, how much better would it be for drivers, for congestion and for road safety to get loads of these articulated lorries off the roads? Yep, it would improve uh, congestion, air quality. Um, it would also improve the, the how long our roads last. It would be less wear and tear. Um, so the, the, there's numerous benefits um, to this. And we're a small island. And, and I suppose when you look at the economics of moving goods around this island, that's why heavy goods vehicles are used. But if you look into Europe um, and across into the UK, much larger percentages of, of freight are taken by rail. I want to get to the... The, nor- the person who goes on rail or who might want to go on rail if the services were available now. And I'll get to Mark Leeson in a moment. But Professor Brian Caulfield, 
is there not a danger of building redundant capacity for people in the way that we've seen, for example, the Limerick to Ennis line has not had enormous numbers used it since it was put into place, as an example? There is, a, there is a, a, of course, that, that that could happen, uh, that we don't get the demand that we need. But I suppose we're kind of future-proofing the network, um, that as fuel prices increase and as it becomes less um, viable or there are, I don't know, maybe uh, cart and stick approaches used to get people out of their cars, it would be great to have this rail network and these rail services in place. But from what I understand of this review, it will be primarily based about, based around freight and opening up services and opening up, say, the in the southeast, open, reopening the line between Waterford and Wexford and using those lines for freight. So that's what I think the, the main sell of this report will be around freight. Which is interesting. Does that suggest that there's a, a belief or an acceptance that it's going to be very hard to provide sufficient services in high enough volume at regular times to attract people out of their cars into trains? I suspect so. Um, I suspect that, you know, that the investment that will be required to, to have the, the kind of systems that we see in other country, countries is so high. But I suppose before we get into this, you know, this new strategic, strategic rail review and all these other new services, it'd be nice to maybe finish off some of the plans that we already have, say, in, the, the, in each of the cities around Metro and Light Rail and Cork, get those services um, finally provided and then start to think about what these new alternatives could be. And I think it's probably past 2040 before much of this will come into place. Mark Leeson, let's bring you in from Rail Users Ireland because how important is it that things like additional capacity for the suburban services for Dublin, putting in the, the Cork version of the Lewis, take place before we start putting in other additional services? Good evening, Matt. So I think the key thing here is touching on what Professor Caulfield's mentioned. We need to finish what we've started in some areas. You talk to any passenger today, the trains are, are congested, they're overcrowded, uh, they're infrequent. We need to really focus on making, making improvements on the existing core network so we can get reduced journey times between Dublin and Cork and Dublin and Belfast, increased frequency, more seats, longer trains, the more trains you run the better integration we can have in terms of connectivity, which is one of the goals of strategic rail view, is so people can make cross-country journeys, say from Kilkenny, say Atlow, which is notoriously difficult to do right now. It takes hours, and in theory, it could only take 90 minutes. So there's a lot, there's a lot to do there before we get into kind of the, the more dreams that, people, that we have in terms of opening lines in very isolated parts of the country. We have to focus on sustainability here as well. There's no point building a railway line unless it's actually going to be used. And we are struggling right now you know, Irish Rail's called it their own chairperson. Uh, Frank Allen was quite critical of various government departments and bodies because they're just holding things up. They're not releasing the funding. They're not releasing the authorization to build things. So build what sort of things? Is this additional railway track on existing lines or what? This would be uh, getting the approval to even submit a planning application to potentially upgrade a railway line, maybe in Dublin for a dart service or maybe in Cork to expand the commuter services out to Middleton. Uh, just the processes we have on this island... Uh, to actually approve investment and to get the actual money so that you can then sign a contract with a, with a, a construction firm to build things, it's still taking far, far too long uh, in comparison to our peers in Europe. And that's something we really need to fix if we have any hope of getting anything in this document actually built. Mark, talk to me a little bit about frequency because it does strike me that one of the reasons why the Lewis is so popular in Dublin is that it becomes very, very regularly. If you miss one, you can get one a few minutes later. How important is that to the provision of train services. You can say, yes, maybe it's good you have a Cork to Dublin every hour. 
and people can go around that but that were in many other cases that people don't use the train not because they don't particularly want to it's because it's simply not available at suitable times for them now, that is the biggest criticism that RFL faced for many years it's absolutely right you know Dublin Cork was a sketchy every two hour service back 15 years ago they doubled the frequencies now hourly Ryanair stopped flying the route the next year after they introduced hourly services, which is kind of curious. Uh, but passenger numbers doubled. They're now over 3 million passengers a year being Dublin and Cork. Dublin-Belfast is the least, most worst-served cross-border city pair in Europe at this point in time. It barely gets a million passengers a year. The trains break down every second day. It's not even a train every two hours. So there's a lot of the things we could do. But frequency drives connectivity. It gives people more options. And if a railway line is not able to sustain a train every two hours, uh, then we have to have a sustainable discussion. Maybe a bus might be a better option. I know that sounds crazy coming from someone representing rail passengers, but if you're on three trains a day, that's not going to work. You need to probably have something in the region of 10 to 15 trains a day on a route to make it sustainable. Okay, so Brian Caulfield, can we do this in Ireland? Can we put together a, a rail network which is high frequency, high speed, and a reasonable cost to persuade people to use it instead of driving their cars? Yeah, I think we could do it. Um, it, it will cost an awful lot of money. Um, um, high speed and increasing the travel time, that's the only way we're going to get people out of their cars. If it's more attractive to, to drive between two cities than it is to take uh, rail because of time, that's what's going to happen. That, 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 that will happen. Um, it would really depend upon the cost. Um, I'm not sure about the 10 or 11 services between cities. I really don't think that there is the demand. There's not that many people that say travel say, from Dublin to Cork on a daily basis to, to warrant that kind of frequency. Um, but there's no reason why we couldn't do it. And it, the plan, I, I suspect, will be ambitious. But the key thing here is delivery and, and what they're going to deliver and when. And it would be great to see timelines, who's responsible, and have that in a table so we can monitor this, monitor this progress. But Brian, I don't want to risk alienating our listeners in Donegal who have been in contact with us for years about putting a rail line in place. But would it not make more sense to concentrate the money in areas where there are high population densities, such as the Metro for Dublin, the Lewis lines in Cork and in Limerick, where you get perhaps more bang for your buck? Yeah, that's definitely a, a, an argument that you could look at. Um, I think, you know, the, the plans that we have for Dublin are almost remedial at this stage because of the amount of pent-up demand that's there. So Metro will be at full capacity, I would imagine, as soon as it opens. What would be interesting to look at is at the other cities um, to see what their demand is and look towards the future and give them a future, a futuristic transport option now as opposed to waiting until you're at the stage where Dublin is, uh, that, that it's uh, choked by congestion. But also for, for Donegal, it is very important in terms of the, 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 the connection and to and, and enable people from that part of the country to get to the, the rest of the country. And there is an airline that flies between Donegal and Dublin, and maybe that would stop if the rail line was, was put in place. And what about other routes, such as another one we've spoken about for the last 20 years plus, a railway line out to Navan, for example, uh, Mark? Yeah, that's, that's still open for debate. It comes up every time there's an election cycle. Um, you know, one thing we could lock up the rev- there's a rebel line from Navan to Drogheda to Dublin already that could be something that could be kicked up uh, kicked into service fairly quickly especially as the tower mines slows down but that is again just a, t- a testament to the slow progress we've made on public transport investments that was meant to be open by 2010 I believe it got as far as the planning application uh, being drafted and then it just disappeared and that is, that is you go to every rail investment in this country uh, we're going back to the 1970s 
and a long list of items you just don't get done. And that is the real challenge of this document that's coming before us next week. Is it just a document that will gather dust on the shelf or is it something that actually will be turned into government policy and acted on? Mark Leeson from Rail Users Ireland and Professor Brian Caulfield from Trinity. Thank you both very much for being with us here on The Last Word of Today FM. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.